and welcome to another episode of Queering the Shelves podcast. Why are you laughing? Because of the texts about the Christmas trees. Oh. I'm Ryan Lovett. I'm Sarah Sawyer's Lovett. Oh, I'm Ryan Sawyer's Lovett. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, the texts that we are referring to are this thing that, we, this game that we play called the Christmas Tree Game, in which you just compete with people to see how many Christmas trees on the tops of cars you can find. I'm Ryan? so stressed out about how poor of a job you're doing describing my game. Oh, well, th- then you should describe it. I'm going to jump in here, yes. Um, so I started doing this in childhood. I was an only child, so I played by myself one every time. Um, and basically... <laughs> <It's> weird <laughs> how that happens. <laughs> From Thanksgiving Day to Christmas, you count the number of trees that you see in transport um, to, like, a residence. So, like, a car on top of cars. If you're in a city, if someone is, like, carrying it down the street, that counts. If somebody was carrying it on a bike? Yeah, that would totally count. Okay. Totally count. Um, Rare, but um, allowed are, like, artificial trees tied to the trunk of a car, because I just think it's hilarious that someone would tie an artificial tree to the top of their car so it counts well like both my mom and john have gotten that this year yeah well like what if you see it like through their window no 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 what if you see a christmas tree in somebody's window if it's a live christmas tree that counts okay so like christmas trees in the bed of a truck um if someone's transporting more than one christmas tree um but it looks like a private vehicle those you can count each one of those individually if you're seeing like a mass transit of christmas trees like they're being delivered from a farm <laughs> to a christmas tree stand then that counts for two christmas trees if you see a menorah on top of a tree that counts so sarah swears oh, on top of a car <laughs> on top of a tree <laughs> yeah. i mean that's really mixing your holidays <laughs> with that one um sarah swears that i okayed that and i I have no recollection of this i remember okaying the artificial tree rule i do not remember okaying the menorah rule if you don't okay it you're racist i'm an anti-semite yeah that's ridiculous i i I mean like fine i guess we'll let it go because it is also very rare although also i've seen one this year if two people are together only one person can call that tree so the first person to call the tree wins that tree if you call a tree and it turns out not to be a tree, you have to subtract one from your total. Yeah, so this time of year, like, um, rooftop, like, ski things, you know, like, and storage, they are your enemy, because (laughs) (laughs) they look like Christmas trees. Um, So I'm very serious about this game, as you can tell by the... Numerous uh, rules. (laughs) Numerous rules that I strictly enforce. Um... And I'm currently winning. Of course you are. You're winning by like so many that it's 37 trees. (laughs) That's how many trees I'm winning by. Do you know how many I have? I have 10. I have 47. (laughs) I have 10 and I'm in second place. (laughs) You're tied for a second. Okay. So in addition, (laughs) like not only do Ryan and I play this game, but like Ryan's college roommates play this game. Our roommate plays this game. Ryan's mom cheats every year usually, but she's done pretty. She's not cheating this year. She's She's really so good. I'm so proud of her. Uh, yeah, so that's the Christmas tree game. And, uh, so sometimes I will put my phone down, and because this is a big group text, when I pick it up, there will be, like, 94 texts from people who are complaining about how many trees Ryan has. Listen, 
you've seen it in action, right? Like, oh, I look, just I've just got another. Oh, it's from you. <laughs> I've just got a good eye for it, right? Like, you've been in the car with me. Yes, you've apparently got in the eagle's dark. eyes. I have <laughs> <laughs> not as not as great with the texting. I meant to say eagle eyes, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you just took some from some poor bird. <laughs> Anyway, not a bragging point. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so now you know the rules, and you can go and play the game. Well, I mean, I would prefer if you are going to be playing the game that you let me know. You yeah. can be a part of our group. It's a lot of fun. Um, I mean, you would be at a real disadvantage this year. Um, because it's a little late. Yeah. You're coming in late, but it's totally a lot of fun. Um, and it's. Don't cheat, okay? Just don't do it. It's bad form. Anyway, so, yeah. The the podcast this week is about queer crime novels. Yeah. So crime novels or mystery novels? Do we do the same mystery diff, novels. basically? Yeah, same. So, same. last week we talked about the difficulty we found in getting, like, quality books, basically. Mm-hmm. And this, I was nervous because I really love mystery novels. It's like what I love to read, mystery and crime novels. And there were so many to choose from. I found like several curated lists. Um, Yeah. It was really interesting. So the problem that I had was not necessarily finding queer novels to read, but it was finding like any real diversity diversity beyond that point. Yeah, Yeah. So like they're for the most part by like white people. Um, wait, cis people, and that sucks. But maybe there are things that we're missing, and you guys can let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're happy to share that resource to the four or five people who listen to this podcast. So. We love you guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, mom. Yeah. <laughs> um, what'd you read, sir? Uh, so I read a book called Deadbeat. A book? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> The look of fucking death you just gave me. I'm like actually a little scared. I'm sorry, baby. I was just cracking wise. I'm used to it. (laughs) Anyway, so the book that I read was called Deadbeat. um, And I read it on Scribd. Um, It's by Val McDermott. And it is the very first in the Kate Brannigan mystery series. Um, And it is, I will read the description. Uh, Deadbeat introduces Kate Brannigan, who does for Manchester what V.I. Warchowski has done for Chicago. When Brannigan agrees to track down a missing songwriter, a search that takes her into the seediest parts of Leeds, little does she realize that finding her is a prelude to murder. Murder. Um, so it's pretty good. I, uh, it was a much faster read than I expected it mm-hmm. to be. And this is, I don't read a lot of mystery novels, so, um... Yeah, like I'm, I'm pretty sure Val McDermott is is a lesbian, and there were a couple of queer characters in the book. Um, Kate, Mc, uh, I'm sorry, Kate Brannigan is not. Kate McKinnon is what you almost said. Yeah, we just we finished watching SNL. SNL. <laughs> um, we talk about SNL all the time on the show because we record on Sundays. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> all right, that's what happens. Um, yeah, so. Kate Brannigan is not a lesbian. She is a um, hard-nosed, heavy-drinking, dude-loving sort of gal mm. who... What? Oh, that reminds me of... um, What was that terrible television show I started watching over the summer? 
And then we got rid of HBO and I never saw the last episode, but it was fine because it was terrible. I, don't I really know. stuck with True Detective. True Detective, yeah. yeah. And like every time I would ask you, what's it about, what's happening? And you'd be like, I don't know. I had no idea. Still don't. I think you just watched that to talk to your mom. Yeah. Yeah. And Grace. Yeah. Um, Never watched the last episode. Yeah. No idea fine. what happened. I don't think that it probably shed any light on what mm. the sitch was. No idea what happened. Yeah. So anyway, in this book, uh, there are... So Kate is... Um, so her boyfriend is a rock detective. And she is ostensibly... He's a what detective? I'm sorry. Uh, not a rock... I'm sorry, a rock journalist. A rock journalist? That's like a rock detective. She's going That's around looking at the ground. Yeah, can you illuminate that? No, I can't. Like, her boyfriend has been hired to write this... The, like, more of this musician, Jet. And um, then they find out that Jet's manager has hired somebody else. So, you know, sour grapes, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, so yeah, Jet hires Kate to find his other, like, writing partner, Moira, who he thinks is the love of his life. Moira has, um, at, at some point after they broke up, gotten addicted to heroin, um, become a, a like, a, an open-air sex worker, and, um, cleaned up got her shit together and is now um, in love and partnered with a woman named Maggie. So that's as much as I'm gonna say. Okay. Yeah, I mean trouble of reviewing Yeah. like uh, mystery novels <laughs> you end up like in a pretty dangerous yeah. position. But it was good. It was really good. Um, I will say that the author uses a lot of um, metaphors and, and some of them are pretty successful some of them are really funny some of them are a little bit of a stretch and they're they're kind of tortured but overall um i like this book i would probably read more by her it was um it was uh, a quick fun read and yeah i liked it cool um i read a book called sunfish and starfish tropical drag queen oh no introducing Sunfish and Starfish, Tropical Drag Queen Detectives. Um, Which I'm super jealous that you got to read that and I didn't. By Wallace Godfrey. Yeah, it was really, it was really good. Um, it's uh, clearly about two drag queens, Sunfish and Starfish, um, Larry and Oscar. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, starts off a little bit slow for me, mm -hmm. um, but it's, I think, meant to be the first in a series. It was released in March of 2015, um, so there's a lot of, like, sort of, like, world-building type stuff that you need to do. I don't know if that's an appropriate term for a not-sci-fi book, but... Maybe character-building. Yeah, but also, I mean, like, it takes place in Miami, um, so there's some really, like, just like funny sort of character type things and um there's a subplot surrounding um a conservative christian politician who comes to the bar the gay bar where some fish and starfish perform and um like it becomes like kind of a little scandal and then the bar has counter protesters and there are like some exchanges specifically surrounding the counter protesters that are hilarious like um that i like literally like laughed out loud with 
Um, the description of the drag shows and costumes and stuff are also really just sort of frenetic um, and interesting and like really just kind of like transported me at least to like what there what was going on it was very like quick and um kind of what I imagine like backstage at a like a drag show to be just really intense and fast-paced and like you gotta get out there and hit all your cues and whatnot um it's really cool and then of course there's this like mystery that um Oscar starfish gets involved in um it was really good and I was like heavily invested in the book like it started off a little slow like I said but it picked up and got really good and you know I finished it in like a day ish yeah um and I'm really ex- I mean if it continues I'd love to continue reading it um like if more more in the series come out it ended in a way that really set up um itself for a second book but um this is the author's first novel and so I don't know like how it works it's well reviewed oh he doesn't look at all like I thought he would um well he was in public relations oh okay so um I because this is set in Miami mm-hmm. the whole thing I haven't read it but yeah. the whole thing to me takes place on the set of the Golden Girls <laughs> And I thought he would look like um, Bruce Valanche. No. Just a little disappointing, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. They're really, it's funny. There's a lot of, like, little sort of background things, like, again, that build the character and stuff that are really hilarious. Like, um, the way they came about having named Sunfish and Starfish, uh, because they were, like, changing their routines so often they um you know to keep things fresh but they would have to constantly reinvent their drag personas then Mm -hmm. so they decided to just pick two names and then they could be like sunfish and starfish you know an american review or sunfish and starfish like covers abba or whatever like they could keep their essential personas but change the shows um Mm -hmm. to to meet like needs or keep things fresh or whatever um but yeah it was really it was very funny um it's a pretty like um i think larry is a white dude um sunfish um like there was a bit that i got like a little unclear on where it sounded like larry was from puerto rico but like oscar's definitely from puerto rico i don't know if i just misread that and i intended to go back but i like just got caught up in it but and then larry Oscar is from Puerto Rico um yeah and like the way that they came together and started their drag shows and stuff it was all really super it was just like really engaging I liked it a lot would totally recommend it and I found it on a website so I found this book I as I started start everything with Google um and I found a website called Wiles Times Tavern um Ooh. With wild spells like Oscar Wilde. That's very clever. Um, and it's subtitled "Helping You Find the Best LGBT Books," and it's a a um, mystery novel to get you through the summer. Nice. But there's like a bunch of different novels that l- many of them sound like really good. Um, and this was and some fish and starfish is one of the books recommended there. They haven't updated. Last time they updated was September. Okay. So I don't know if it's just not 
um, there are a lot still of going. But yeah, there's a lot on this, so it's definitely something that I think you know could be useful it's, for yeah, folks. Yeah, it's definitely a good resource. Um, and then Barnes and Noble has like a ridiculous um, gay and lesbian mystery and crime section. It's got, like 682 books in it. I like did not 681 are Rita Mae Brown books. Though. Yeah, there's a lot. Like the first page is like almost entirely Rita Mae Brown, but like. I was surprised by just there were so many. Oh look, there's are more books by Val McDermott. Yeah, someone named someone named Michael Nava. Yeah, and yeah, I mean there's just like a lot of just a lot of books listed there. So I definitely found. So I agree with you. I think the getting to books with um, like characters of color and people of color as authors and stuff like that that continues to be something that we need right. to, like that I definitely definitely think like exists but um and actually I, f I followed a twitter today that I wanted to talk about that's like specifically about writers of color mm -hmm. and their tagline is like so it's writers of color and the tagline, like, their bio is, we don't want to hear you. We won't, don't want to hear, I can't find any ever again, okay? Um, and it's, I just started following them today, so I don't know very much about what they're putting out. But it's really kind of cool. So it's something that we can continue to do. But yeah. as a rule, I, found, I felt like this particular genre just had more books. Like, uh, when, we, when we were doing romance... Like, I thought romance would be, like, an easy-ish thing. Yeah. And it was such a pain in the ass. It was so hard to find books. Whereas this one, like, a simple Google search at least turned up books I could look through for... Right. Um, well, I think there are, like, whole, like, publishing houses that do, like, queer romance. The problem is that they're all pretty homogenous. No pun intended. Ha, <laughs> um, Yeah, and I mean, because they're there doesn't necessarily mean that they're super well produced and certainly there's an audience for it i'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum but you know i, I an interesting I, saying i will say that like i um worked today so i work at a bookstore and my boss reads a lot of mystery novels and she suggested some uh, but unfortunately that list is all the way across the room and i am tied to this microphone so i will put that up on the blog um yeah and i'll link um yeah, we the did, blogs I found. We did talk a little about Christopher Rice, um, whose books I have read and really enjoyed, and I actually think Ryan, you would really like them too. Um, the first time Sarah told me the to read Christopher Ry Rice books, I got him confused with Christopher Pike, who wrote like the Fear Street <laughs> books. I was like, I love those books, but yeah, not the same guy. Um, Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, but the Snow Garden is among the best like mystery books I've ever read. It's just super creepy. And then, um, so we had talked a little, like, um, my boss and I had talked a little about, like, whether Sarah Waters books were, um, like, mystery novels, because there are definitely, like, crimes that take place, and there's, like, intrigue, and so, like, the, the paying guests is definitely, like, a mystery novel, but I think that most of her other books are just sort of historical and vaguely romance, um. And then there is evidently like this whole series of books by Mabel Maney. Um, they're the Nancy Clue and Sherry Aimless books. And so they're like Nancy Drew spoofs, but they're queer. Um, 
and oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah. So they're called like the case of the not so nice nurse, the case <laughs> of the good for nothing girlfriend, <laughs> a ghost in the closet. Oh my god, I love them. Yeah, so I'm definitely gonna look those up. That's awesome. Yeah. But I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Do you want to hear a funny story about Oscar Wilde? Yeah. Um, so way back when, my second year of teaching, mm -hmm. I had kids on computers. I'm not entirely sure why. And they were just kind of like screwing around on the computers. Again, I don't remember why they were on computers. But one of my kids was this kid named Will Day, mm -hmm. who's a sweetheart. He was hilarious um, and just like really sweet kid um he's probably an actual adult now but um he googled his name like he googled his own name which is spelled w-i-l-d-e he was like whoa there's so much coming up for my name who's oscar wilde Aww. because his name was wilde it was so That's funny adorable yeah it was adorable he was really sweet kid oh I'd have to do the math to figure yeah. out how old he is now. But So, for next time, we are going to read middle grade books. Yes, we are. That's kind of cool. I'm actually really excited about that. Yeah, I think it'll be a good time. Yeah. I, um, I'm especially excited about it because um, another one of my coworkers has put together this really awesome list of, um, like, queer lit for, like, you know, like, by age. So, it's, like, you know, picture books about queer people and then like picture books about trans people and then middle grade books about queer people middle grade books about trans people and then younger, you know you get the point um so it's really nice to like be able to pick through those and feel pretty certain that my bookstore will have them that's really cool yeah i'm really excited and and like Jen does a lot of hard work on that list too she also has one for like um like multicultural or like combined families um, that's, that's structured cool. very similarly, yeah. Yeah, she's a good egg. Yeah. Um, Do you have any idea what you'd like to read? I don't. Um, I have to think about it, mm -hmm. but Actually, I mean, like, I feel like this will be one where it's a lot easier to sort out books that, like, are not just about, like, cisgender white people. Yeah, well, um, I mean, George came out this year and it was huge. Yeah. But and I even, like, know. you know, Shadow Shaper, for example, which is not like a, a queer book but has that's queer characters in it that's a young adult book though it's young adult so can you explain young adult versus okay. middle grades to so me again like middle grade would be from like 8 to 14 and then young adult is from like 12 to 18 so there is like some gray area in between but those are typically like you know like Harry Potter or like Suzanne Collins sort of ages where like kids can read young adult books if their comprehension is there and if they're like you know mature enough to deal with like the more adult themes that are typical to young adult does that make sense yeah am I, am I wrong is Shadow Shaper no I think you're right I think Shadow sh I think what's happening for me with Shadow Shaper is like content wise it's definitely a young adult book but I actually think it is um, readability wise okay. accessible to younger kids okay. um, like I actually just looked it up on Scholastic Scholastic has an amazing like teacher parent tool that gives you like a reading level equivalent you can mm -hmm. look up any book and it's reading level equivalent is 5th grade 
Oh, um, that's really cool. Actually, that doesn't mean it's like actually. I'm. It's still definitely like it's listed as a nine to twelve, nine to eleventh grade book. Um, okay. But, you know, if you're a kid who is an avid reader and yeah, is or even if you're like kind of a kid who's not a great reader, but you're maybe a little older. Right. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And then I think Shadow Sheeper, I mean, I don't know how we ended up talking about Shadow Sheeper because it doesn't entirely do with any of the two subjects that we're okay. talking about, but like it also, I think, fills, doesn't fill, but like starts to fill like a really big like literary pothole. Like yeah. it just meets a, a need or start again, starts to meet a really big need. I mean, it's a good book. It's by Daniel Jose Older who could fucking write like jingles for anything and I would like sign on <laughs> for that product. He's just such a an awesome yeah, writer talented. and a cool guy. Did you <laughs> veering even further off topic, but you got this all out. This is gonna go to Twitter, isn't it? It is good. Did you see on Twitter when some fucking rando um like said something to Daniel Jose older about like um I don't remember fully the context. Something about someone not really being hurt. I think it had to do with, um, like, police shootings over the summer. And, like, Daniel Jose Older had said something about, like, the injuries or... I don't remember full context. I'm sorry. But um, she basically asked him, like, you know, when did you get your medical degree or whatever? And he fucking... (laughs) took a picture he's an emt of his like emt's license it was like the most beautiful response and i know it was like surrounding a really like that's like a jay-z receipt moment it was yeah i mean it was totally just i mean perfect um the person probably the rando probably like deleted their twitter very shortly after that but like set themselves um, on fire <laughs> it was that's actually how i started following him on twitter because it like popped up in my feed because it just you know um was amazing and that's how i ended up in the book and i just it's really it's a great book i just find it to be such a random path to take to an author you know what i mean yeah. like it's, I mean, it's, who but cares, as long as you get there. True. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, middle grades. Um, yeah, I've read a couple of... Like, I read some some book about, like, um, a young gay kid who did an internship on Broadway. And then I read um, George by Alex Gino, which is, like, among the most hyped, like, middle grade books of the year. Which, deservingly so. I mean, it's... We got to see them speak at, right, at that panel, yeah. at the Friends School, yep. the Quaker School. It was really interesting. Yeah. I did a lot. It the panel. It was really cool. George in particular was really interesting to listen. Not George. Alex. Alex, thank yeah. you. Books called George, authors called Alex. Yeah. Um, just really interesting to know hear the perspectives and whatnot and like they so what I was gonna say was that Alex talked about um my memory is terrible so correct me if I'm thinking of a different person on the panel we talked about the like really common trajectory of trans characters in books that's like sort of epically tragic you know mm-hmm. um George doesn't really follow that though right so 
again, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex talked about the sort of common trajectory for trans characters as being, like, sort of super tragic. Right, or, like, coming out. Right, 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 right. Um, and how personal coming out stories are and how you're, they're not really owed to anybody. Like, if right. you want to share it, of course, feel free. But, like, that tends to be, like, a, a thing that people feel um, comfortable asking about that right. is really very personal. Um but George doesn't follow that trajectory, right? Like, no. it's not... Yeah, so that I thought was really interesting, because I think that's, a, like, a pretty common thing. Like, even, like, well-intentioned, quote, air quote, ally-type people um, will talk about, like, how sad... Or, like, it'll be about, like, transition and, like, yeah. you know, how, like, uh, like, the medical and social and legal stuff. And, again, that's really personal, and it's different for everybody. So, right. you know, like... You're not owed, like, a a step-by-step to anybody's life. And certainly, like, fuck you if you think that, like, a queer person owes you, like, a sob story about, like, they're coming out or they're, like, you know, yeah, I just, I, I really, And I think that could really, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I think that could really be, like, broadened in general that, like, no one owes you their story like full stop right like no one needs to be the like ambassador of the trans experience or the black experience or the gay experience or the like you know whatever no one owes you that that is not to say it's not important that you find out about (laughs) yeah people to that degree like if you're curious but google like if you want to know that badly you should do your own research Mm -hmm. and and like you know just a a google search will tell you that there isn't a quote-unquote typical experience yeah so yeah um yeah but no like um george was mostly about um this character wanting to be wanting uh, to play charlotte in charlotte's web and um sort of how that happened despite like parental and teacher protests cool yeah it was really cool it was good all right Um, well we'll talk more about yeah middle grades i agree next week sounds good gonna be a good one yay all right i actually might get a little stack of books and plow through them they'll be easy to read yeah all right thanks again for listening and we will talk to you guys next week check out the show notes for links maybe Sarah will lovingly place there okay bye guys bye thanks for listening to this episode of queering the shelves podcast just a reminder that if you want to get in touch you can email us at queering the shelves at gmail.com you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash queering the shelves you can tweet us at queer the shelves on twitter podcasts and show notes are available at queerpodcast.com you can like rate and review us on itunes and get in touch communication is what brings communities together and we feel really lucky to be part of yours